man, I'd encourage you to go ahead and grab a seat and we're going to dive into God's word together. And I just want to say thanks for being here. We're honored to have you uh, here this morning. And in a season of uh, Thanksgiving, I'm really grateful that we can still do this, that we can still gather together as the church, whether you're online or you're here at one of our campuses, man, we're honored to have you. And I want to say welcome home. And I say that uh, strategically and intentionally because our desire is really that this place would feel like home to you. You know, that feeling when you, you, you come home and you just feel safe and secure, a place where you're uh, accepted and loved for who you are, but also a place where you can grow and, and become more like Jesus. And we long that, we long to, for you to experience that here at Northridge Church. And man, we have people joining us from out of state and in state, watching on their television and on their devices at our campuses at Webster and Rochester. And so welcome home to everybody. And I really mean this. We're honored uh, to have you here this morning. And, you know, as we get rolling, uh, I would ask you, who's that? person in your life that you look up to? Who's that person that maybe has impacted you, has motivated you, inspired you so much that you actually want to emulate their life? Who's that person that, that, that you just want your life to be modeled after? And maybe for you, it, it's a mom or a dad, right? Or a grandparent, a grandma or granddad that have inspired you. Maybe it's somebody close in your family where it's a, an aunt or an uncle or, or a cousin, or maybe it's somebody you've never met, but you've watched their life and it's inspired you. Maybe it's a professional athlete or a famous designer, or maybe it's somebody in history that took a stand when nobody else would. Or maybe it's, it's a Bible character that you've read a lot about and their story and their decisions and, and their actions just inspire you to want to look and be like them. I think for all of us, we, we have those people in our lives that, that inspire us, that drive us to be better, that, that move us. And chances are, the reason why they've done that is because they're leaders. They're leaders who have used their influence, their life, as a model for other people to look up to. But even in as we, as we look at at. at leaders and we're inspired by certain people, there's this tension that maybe we all feel. As we look at that person who inspires us, motivates us, that question in, deep down in our heart is, will I ever be like them? Will I ever like, you know, get to the place in my life where, where I'm acting and, and being and having an impact like that person? I think that might be one of the, the greatest tensions with the Bible that we, we might feel at, at a practical level is we read our Bible and we read of, of heroes of the faith who did incredible things, women like Deborah and Ruth. We read about guys like David and, and Daniel, and we see the incredible things they did in their story, and we desire to be like them, act like them, but we wonder, will that ever be me? Will that ever be you? Right, we've been walking through Moses' life for, this is now week eight, we're bringing an end to this series, and we've seen Moses as the leader of, of an entire nation, and we've seen God use him in incredible ways, and it inspires us. We're like, man, I, I would love to be a man or a woman that, that looks like Moses, but really, will that ever be me? Will I ever get to that level? And we feel that, that, that tension, right? Why is that? Well, I think at the the end of the day, I think it's because we don't fully understand what leadership is, 
Right? We, 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 at the root level, at the ground level of, of leadership, we've made it more complicated than what it really has to be because, you know, when we look at leadership, leadership is ultimately defined as just influence. Leadership is influence. And if it's that simple, if really that's all leadership is, is me having the ability to influence somebody else, guess that, what that means for all of us is we're leaders. Now, I wonder if you would have labeled yourself that today a leader. But really, leadership is just the ability to influence others, and I would suggest all of us have that. We are all leaders at at one level or another. And really, the question we're going to wrestle with today, we're going to marinate on uh, right now and and as throughout the week in our community groups, is how are we using that influence? How are we using the influence that God has granted us and given us and for the last five weeks, we've been studying Moses, uh, uh, the last eight weeks, we've been studying Moses as a leader. We looked at his leadership, but he still has one more lesson to learn. And the lesson he's going to learn today that we're going to dive into is what separates good leaders, average leaders, okay leaders, with great leaders. What will take me from an okay leader, a, a normal leader, to a great one? And I think it really comes down to this. This is the lesson that Moses is going to learn today, is that great leaders assume God will use them today but never presume they'll be here tomorrow. Great leaders, they focus on the present circumstances. They have to make decisions in the moment. And so they're focused on the moment. But while they're present today, believing God's going to use them, they're also planning for the future, knowing one day they won't be around anymore, and their legacy matters. So we're going to see this in Exodus chapter 18. And so if you've got your Bibles, Exodus chapter 18 is where we're going to be. I'd encourage you to grab your Bible, your device, turn there. And as you make your way to Exodus chapter 18, I just, man, my prayer is that God has used this uh, series in your life. I hope you've enjoyed it. But bigger than that, the whole reason why we do this Sunday to Sunday is so God really changes something about us. You realize, I don't show up every Sunday to preach God's word because it's so much fun for me that I just love it so much, I'm just going to keep coming back. No, I do it because I want God to work through me and in me and in you that we would become more like Jesus every time. That's why we open God's word, because it's active and it's alive. And, And really, it's not about what I'm saying. It's about what God is saying through his spirit to you to motivate you, to convict you, to look different. And my prayer is that this series has done that for you. And so in Exodus 18, as we bring Moses' life and leadership to an end, we pick up a story where he learns a very valuable lesson. It says this, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? Why are all these people standing around you from morning till evening? And so here in Exodus 18, we kind of pick up the context where Moses is kind of at his job as the leader of the nation of Israel. Now remember, we we, we, we want to picture this accurately because the nation of Israel is not 50 to 100 people. We're talking about hundreds of thousands, maybe around a million people that he is leading. It's a large nation full of people. And guess what happens when you get a lot of people around each other? Guess what's going to happen? Problems are going to come conflict's going to rise up. And guess who was in charge of taking care of that? That's Moses. That's what he's doing on his job. He shows up from morning till evening, Scripture says, serving as the judge for the nation of Israel. And so people from all around Israel would bring their problems, their conflicts in marriage, in business, in relationships to Moses. 
And so his father-in-law is, is seeing this. He's watching Moses do his job, and he notices some problems with Moses' leadership. Three to be in three. He brings up three problems, three issues with the way Moses is actually leading the nation of Israel. And the first one we see at the very beginning, he says, Moses, I, I, I want to talk to you through three problems. The first problem I see is, Moses, you're a doer, not a developer. Moses, you are doing all the work of the ministry. Why do you alone sit as judge? You're just doing everything on your own, Moses. You're not developing people. In fact, in the first part we just read, you see that word doing twice. Moses, you're doing, you're doing, and you're doing. And I think many of us as leaders with influence, we fall into this trap fairly regularly. Where we do the work of ministry, where we do the work rather than developing people to multiply our impact. And that's exactly the trap Moses falls into. He's just, every day from morning till evening, he's doing, doing. And so his father-in-law says, hey, I see some issues. And, and Moses push back, pushes back a little bit, verse 15. He says, Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. So Moses looks at his father and I was like, hey, listen, I understand I'm doing a lot, but you don't, you, you don't get it. The people need me. I'm responsible. I'm supposed to make these decisions. Like, I'm in charge. They're, they're seeking God's will in their disputes. They need me. And that, that made sense. That was accurate. But it just revealed Moses' second problem in leadership was Moses was the lid to his own leadership. What Moses was doing was building a, a cap or a capacity limit for the nation of Israel. Because remember, if you've got hundreds of thousands of people with problems, here, here's the issue Moses is creating. If he's the only judge in the nation of Israel, there's going to be a lot of people waiting on their problems for a very long time. And so he's the cap. He's the lid to his own leadership because if he's the only guy, he has limits. It's called 24 hours in a day. In fact, the Bible describes Moses morning till evening serving as a judge, exhausting work, and yet there's still people with conflict that he can't get to because he's created this cap. He's the only judge. And so Moses' father-in-law responds to his son-in-law. He says, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. And that, that kind of crazy that you can actually be doing something that is good and it not be effective. It might not be the right thing. Moses thinks he's doing something that is good, and his father's like, no, actually, it's actually causing more harm than it is good. He says, you and these people who, who come to you will only wear yourself out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. So his father-in-law was like, Moses, if, if you keep up at this pace, here's your third problem. You're eventually going to burn out. You're going to quit. You can't handle this by yourself. And so you think you're doing good for the nation of Israel, but over the course of morning till evening every day, you're going to wear out, and what's going to happen is you're not going to help the nation of Israel, and you're going to end up not being the leader they need. And so Jethro, his father-in-law, he sees these issues. He's like, hey, Moses, I see three problems with your leadership. You're the lid. You've created a capacity, and a lot of people, more people need leaders I, the problem, Moses, you're doing too much. You've got to develop and empower other people. And if you don't change, you're going you're gonna to burn out. You're going to fail as a leader. And so 
Jethro offers him some solutions. And I think this is really important to point out. You know, a lot of times we find flaws in people and we just point out those flaws and we don't offer solutions. And so it's really important when you see errors in people, when you call them out, provide solutions for them, just don't critique them. And that's exactly what Jethro does. He says in verse 21, let me offer you two solutions. He says, but select capable men from all the people. Men who feared God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judge for the people at all times, but bring them every difficult ca- bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide for themselves. And so Jethro looks at his son, uh, son-in-law and he's like, "Hey, I see some issues in your leadership, but let me provide a solution." The first solution he provides, he said, "Moses, you got to learn to give leadership away." You've got to learn to empower people to do the work, to develop people to do the work that you're doing, to make the decisions that you're making. You've got to give leadership away. And this is really hard to do as a leader, to, to give away the very thing that you, you, you tried to earn on your own. But Moses has to learn this lesson. He's going to be more beneficial to the nation of Israel if he empowers godly people to make the decisions he's going to. And so, okay, this makes sense, right? Like I've got some problems with my leadership and I've got to learn to give leadership away. How do I do that? How would Moses throughout his life learn this principle of becoming a great leader by giving leadership away? I want to talk to you about two ways he did this. The first one is he chose to listen. He chose to listen. Can I tell you, if you want to be a great leader today, maybe the most important tool you'll have in your leadership belt is listening. It's crazy to think, right? Because it's one of the things that most leaders do the least. And, and, and maybe this is kind of a theme for 2020 that maybe God is trying to teach his church, is to listen. To listen. Not to respond, not, not to, to have your own agenda, your own idea. But throughout this year, I think God has just been instilling in his church to maybe shut up and listen to listen to the problems that are out there, to listen to the critiques that people are crying out to and just hear what people have to say. I believe maybe the the, the most powerful thing Moses did in this text was actually give his father-in-law a voice. Because it would have been easy for Moses as the leader of the nation of Israel to say, hey, thanks, dad, but I'm busy taking care of a million people. I don't got time for your critiques. Like, hey, I I, got to figure it out, okay, Dad? I know I'm not perfect, but like, hey, I I don't have time to listen listen to you tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. Can I tell you that's what most leaders would say? Don't you dare critique me. Do you know who I am? Man, today we have to learn to listen. Because if Moses didn't listen, he would have never learned the lessons that would make him into the great leader that he became. And the first way he gave away leadership was giving his father-in-law a voice to have a hard conversation with him that he desperately needed in his leadership. And the second thing he did was he learned over time to relinquish his power. And when I say power, here's what I mean. The ability to make the call, to make the decisions, right? The ability. He had to give away the ability to to be a judge in certain cases. He says, I'm going to build a leadership pipeline where I I, I invest in in godly people who can make the decision and I don't need to. I'll put them over thousands, hundreds, tens, and and fifteens. I'll put them in places where I don't need to be there to make the decision. I'm going to give my power away. And this is so interesting to me because it's countercultural, right? 
I think in 2020, you probably have felt this tension where we're just really growing frustrated and tired with politics. And, and I think the reason why that is is because, you know, politicians are meant to serve the people, but the most politicians that we see today are all just about grabbing, grabbing power, getting more and more power. And that's very, the very opposite of what Jesus did when he came to earth. Think about Jesus, the most powerful man to ever walk the face of the earth. And what did he say? I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And to serve somebody, you have to relinquish your power and put them before you. Man, this is, this is so countercultural, but this leadership principle from God's word actually works. It works in the business place. It works in your home. In fact, we've seen it in, in very big scales. You think of Ritz-Carlton, the CEO, the owner of Ritz-Carlton. One of the things that he attributes to the growth of his organization was his ability to empower leaders to make decisions that he didn't need to make. And it grew his business rapidly. We see this all throughout our culture. So Moses had to learn to build a leadership pipeline, to invest in others and give them the authority to make the decisions. The second thing he had to learn, the second solution to his leadership problem was he had to invest into his replacement. Moses had to strategically choose a, a, a person that would fill in his shoes because, hey, Moses wasn't going to be around for, for all of eternity. He had an expiration date. He was one day going to die, and he had to train somebody to pour into his place. The leadership pipeline was great, but there has to be a point leader who oversees it all. And Moses did this actually phenomenally. He, he did it from a very young age in a young man's life. In fact, we're introduced to him in Numbers chapter 11. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth. And so Moses makes this strategic decision with Joshua at a very young age to pour his leadership and his life into this young man because he saw in him something that he could be the leader of the nation of Israel. And as Joshua grew older and older, Moses continued to dump leadership in his pocket. You see, in Exodus chapter 17, guess who, who Moses chose to lead the nation of Israel's army to be general and commander? It was Joshua. In Exodus 24, when, when, when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments from God, guess who he invited with him? Joshua. Because he wanted him to experience what it was like to hear from God and to get his law. He, he took Joshua with him. In Exodus 33, when Moses is experiencing holy communion with God at the Ten of Meetings, guess who's guarding it? Joshua. Because he was investing in the next leader who would fill in Moses' shoes. And, and Moses actually brought Joshua in front of the entire nation of Israel, and he spoke directly to him. We see it in Deuteronomy 31. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And look at verse 7. It says, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and and courageous. Now remember those words, be strong and courageous, because they're important. They're really important because if you skip ahead in Israel's history where Moses is now dead and Joshua is at the very beginning of taking over the, the, the leadership from Moses, look at the words God chooses to speak to Joshua as he begins to lead the nation of Israel. Joshua chapter one, here's God's words to Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do those words sound familiar? They're the same words that Moses spoke to Joshua, and when Joshua get, get, was ready to lead the nation of Israel, Moses is now dead, God reminds Joshua of the very words Moses spoke to him because of that relationship. 
And the result of this was that Moses' legacy of leadership lived on in a different leader. See, when it comes to leadership and influence, that word legacy should matter to really all of us. Because legacy is the very thing that, that continues on after we're gone. It's, it, it's the thing that actually lasts longer than our lives. You see, we're here on earth. We all have expiration dates to our lives. And what we instill in the people we have influence over will actually carry on hopefully longer than we live. And can I tell you, as, as grandparents, as parents, that word legacy should really matter to us. Because as a parent, as a grandparent, what I instill in my kids is ultimately probably what will carry on in my name. And I think as, as parents, if you want to be a parent one day, you are a parent right now, you're a grandparent, I think it's so important that we pour Jesus into our children over and over again so that when we die, they carry the name of Jesus with them. It matters because your influence matters. And, you know, we think about the church, Big C Church, not just Northridge North Church, but, but the body of believers of Jesus Christ. Our, our mission, God has given us, to take the gospel to the world. And I think the most strategic way to do that as the church is to build strong families together that are pouring Jesus into the next generation that will carry that mantle as the future goes. And so our legacy matters. And as Christians, our legacy throughout our lives should matter in our businesses, as we teach the kids in our classroom, as we coach in sports or whatever we do, how we pour the gospel into people's lives matter because that will be our legacy, how you're remembered. And Moses got that because he developed people. He gave leadership away. He empowered them and he trained his replacement. And as we look at Moses' life and his leadership, him learning that great leaders don't just invest now, but they plan for the end, I think this message should challenge all of us. And I think it should challenge us in, in really two specific ways. I think the first way is all of us, we have to recognize our influence. I, I don't care who you are today. I don't care whether you have a job or not. I don't care if you run a huge company or you don't. I don't care if you're single or married. The reality is, is we all have influence. We do. It might be with a couple people or it might be with thousands of people. We all have influence and that means we are all leaders. And today we have to recognize that. That, that. that should matter to us because guess who gave us that influence? You didn't earn it, God granted it to you. And what you do with that matters to God. The influence that he gives you, it really is significant. And we have to recognize that. And so I would ask you to look at your life maybe this week and say, hey, where do I have influence? Maybe it's with your family, your spouse, your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's in your neighborhood, your community, with the kids you teach or, 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 or the, the kids you coach. Where is you have influence? And maybe for a lot of you, it's in your community group. Right? Can I just pause here and speak to our, our group leaders and just say in a season of being thankful, being reminded of all that we should be thankful for as a church, can I tell you how thankful I am for our group leaders? And what we've done as a leadership team is we've chosen to give power to community group leaders, to give them a, a leadership to care for people, to build relationships with people and help people walk with Jesus. And if you're a group leader, one, I want you to know how thankful I am for you. And two, I want you to recognize the leadership that you have. And how important it is. And we all have influence. We all have leadership. And we need to recognize it. 
and use it for good. But secondly, we have to choose to use that influence for good. You see, as Christ followers, as people who believe in Jesus, the greatest message that we have been given, the message that will impact people's lives the most is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that he came and rescued us from our sin to save us from ourselves, died on a cross and was resurrected for us, that's the message that we should carry. That's the influence that we should bring to a hurting and broken and lost world. And that's how we use it for good. The reality is you're a leader, whether you want to admit it or not. And the question really is, is how are you use that influence? Will you use it for good or you will use it for bad? There's really no neutral here. I wonder where you find yourself in that spectrum. I'll say, we get it, right? Okay, we're leaders. We, we got to recognize that, and we, we got to choose what type of leader we want to be. How do we do that? How, how does this message impact my day tomorrow, Drew? How does this message impact my next week and my next month and my next year? And I want to give you a practical step that, that I think every single one of us can, can kind of pray through and think about as the week continues to choose to do something. And I would just challenge you to bring somebody along in your journey, right? To just choose to take the wisdom God has given you and to pour it out into somebody else, to invest in, in relationships. And, and we call this a word, and I, I actually hate this word because it feels really formal, and it's called mentorship, right? Mentorship, it's kind of a wonky word. And I get asked a lot, Drew, will you mentor me? And I'm always nervous because I never know what that word means to people. Right? Does mentorship mean like I got to sign a contract with blood? Like I'm going to invest in you for the rest of my life? Like I don't got time for that. You get that tension, right? Like somebody asks you a mentor, like, oh no, what does this mean? That's not what I'm talking about today. When I say bring somebody along in your journey, I mean things as simple as maybe you've been married for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And your marriage is at a good spot right now. And you see maybe a, a couple that is younger than you that is struggling. And it's as simple as saying, hey, let's have that couple over for dinner a couple of times. And let's invest in their marriage. Let's, let's teach them the things that we've learned along the way. Or maybe it's as simple as, you know, you, maybe you're a little bit older and you, you want to pour into the younger generation. And you just sign up to lead a, a, a small group at, in our youth group and just pour your wisdom into the next generation of our church. I'm not talking about a contract that you sign forever and ever. I'm just talking about investing in people's lives. When you do something, you bring somebody along and you, you share your wisdom with them. And this is a very biblical thing. I believe in the church, this should just happen organically. That's why, that's why I like to call us a family. Because when, when family sees needs, they meet them, right? Your family, when someone's hurting, you, you respond. You, 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 when, when family is in search of wisdom, you, you offer it if you have it. That, that should happen organically in the church because we are a family. And this is very biblical. We see it in Titus uh, chapter 2. It says this, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And they teach what is good. They live the right way. Why? Because then they can urge the younger women too. And this is not just a, a female thing. This is just a, an example of women doing this where, where older women, how they live is important because how they live, younger women will look up to them and that gives them the ability to pour into younger women. And this is true for men and women that we would choose to use our lives as an example to pour the wisdom out in others. And, and Paul did this so well. The Apostle Paul, he poured into young pastors relentlessly. In fact, he, he, he built in them so much that he would often call the people he was pouring into his sons. Look at Titus. As he introduced the book, he says, To Titus, my true son in common faith. And they weren't blood. 
they weren't true father and son, but again, the church is a family, right? And that's my son. That's my, that's my buddy. I'm going to pour my life into him. And so for, for a second, when we think about pouring our lives into that, I, I want to pause and speak to the older generation of our church. And I'll let you determine whether you fit in that category or not. And maybe you're a part of the older generation, and, and maybe for the last 10 years of our church, you know, maybe you have felt a little bit neglected, abandoned, or overlooked. And I, I just want to honestly just say I am sincerely sorry for that. I want to apologize, and I want to set the record straight. I want you to know if you're in that category, we, we desperately need you in this church. We need your wisdom. Because one thing I love about Northridge Church is that we are a multi-generational church. We need to be that. I mean, right now, we, we have hundreds of little kids being invested in by older people, building a foundation of who Jesus is. We have active, growing middle school, high school, and young adult ministries. The next generation of the leadership of our church, that should matter to all of us because they're going to they're gonna step into the leadership of our church. We'll be gone b- before you know it, and we need to be pouring into that generation. We have a group of young families like mine who are kind of battling through parenting little kids and teenagers. And then we have a, a core of, I call them our rock, of the older generation who have been at Northridge Church, who have grinded it out and have left their imprint. And you know, at the beginning of this message, I, I asked you a question. Who inspires you? Who's impacted you? And when I think about my life And when I get older, retirement age, who I want to be like, who inspires me, I I think of two people in the life of our church that maybe you don't know. The first person is a guy named Jack Robson. If you don't know Jack, he's he's the best dressed guy in in Northridge Church. He always wears a suit jacket, a tie. Sometimes when it gets cold, he wears a sweater. And Jack's an older guy, but Jack has had a, a tremendous influence on my kids. Because he's taken something really simple and invested in my children. Because every Sunday, um, when my kids come to, to church, they find Jack because he has little pieces of candy for them. And one of the reasons why my, my kids love coming to Northridge Church is, one, because of our kids' ministry. It's top-notch. It's amazing. But second, it's because of Jack. And I remember during the, the COVID season where we had to go digital as a church, every Sunday, my kids would come down and they would say, are we going to get to see Jack today? And when I said no, they were disappointed. And man, Jack probably doesn't know this, but he's made a difference in my family. And that means something to a dad. He didn't retire from church. He still uses his influence for the glory of God. There's another person. Her name is Sandy White. Sandy's been around our church for a really long time as well. And she serves in our stewardship team. If you don't know what our stewardship team is, it's a board of people who really hold us accountable to the money uh, and how we spend it. And if you give generously to Northridge Church, that should be important to you because we want to be held accountable to how we spend our money wisely. And for years, Sandy has served on that team, and, and Sandy is a quiet but strong leader. And for years, she has poured her leadership into that team when it comes to crunching numbers. And you might not know this, but her footprints and her leadership is all over this church. Because leadership matters. Our influence that God has given us, it should matter to us. Our legacy when we're gone should matter to us. And so you have to understand today, 
As we look at Moses' life and we see all the incredible things that he did through God, you might ask the question, can I ever do that? Could that ever be me? And the answer is yes. It might not look like Moses' life, but God has given you influence. And he wants to use you in great ways. And my prayer for me and you is to recognize the influence that we have. And my prayer is that we wouldn't waste it. So let's pray together. God, thank you for each and every person that calls Northridge Church home, whether they're online and they watch from a different state or they're here in person. God, if you think about it, it's crazy. If you think about all the people and all the influence that we have as a church, it's sometimes overwhelming. But how amazing is it that we can make a huge dent in our society and in our culture for the sake of Jesus, if we would just take it seriously, that our influence at our workplace, that our influence in our homes, our influence on the playground, in our classrooms, in our cubicle matters. And God, may we leave a legacy that isn't about us, but it's about you. Help us to recognize our influence and to use it for your glory, God. In Jesus' name.